Yeah. I feel like people don't. People don't wanna rep their city, man. Red city. I rep my city. Portland 503, I need to stand up right now. OG, wanna see with G? We got what you want. We got what you need. Come and light it up, up. Come and join the team. We got what you want. We got what you need. Come and light it up, up. Come and join the team. Blazer. Welcome, Blazergonians. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Blazer Gang podcast. I'm your host, as always, Boyd Urban. We're here in the Henry V Studios in North Portland. I'm really glad you guys tuned in this week uh, because we have a great episode with not one, not two, but three special guests all with us today. We're going to have Travis Demers here in the studio in just a few minutes. You might know him from his uh, show on 620 AM radio. It's Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad, but he's also been playing, uh, doing some fill-in play-by-play for the Blazers radio while the wheels was out and he's doing all the road games right now. So we're going to get some great insight from him. And later, in, later on the show, we're going to talk some trade, uh, trade rumors with a couple guys. We're going to check in with Andrew Lopez, who works for a Pelicans beat down in New Orleans. And then we'll also hear from Joe Molinax, who work, runs a, a podcast and website called Grizzly Bear Blues in Memphis. So you're not going to want to miss those. Uh, but first, let's see who we got here in the studio with us today. To my left, we've got owner and CEO of Blazer Gang and Blazer Gonian. Mr. Dre. What's up, boy? Man, I'm excited, man. We uh, we got a long February ahead of us. Man, every podcast, we got a special guest. So I'm definitely excited for uh, February for Blazer Gang Podcast, man. Me too, that's for sure. And we've got a, a very, very special introduction here. For his first time on the Blazer Gang Podcast, we've got a brand new co-host with us, and that is Chris Ailey Alex. Hey, what's up, guys? Glad to be here, man. Long time coming, you know? I know, right? How long have we been working this? <laughs> man. It's been a while, man. We've been talking about you getting you from Vegas for yeah. a few months. Since since the playoffs of last year, you know? Yeah, for yeah. Sure. well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, everybody in the Blazer Gang is really excited to see what you bring to the table. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook, we're Blazer Gang. Twitter, we're Blazer underscore gang. And Instagram, we are official Blazer Gang. But there's more. You can also follow, uh, subscribe and rate our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Music. Give us a five-star review. If you don't think we're quite five-star, let us know what we can do better. We love hearing from you guys, and we want to improve any chance we can get. All right, so let's get into our first interview here. Uh, in the studio with us, we have Travis Demers, the local radio host of the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad on 620. But he also does all the play-by-play uh, or he fill-in play-by-play for the Portland Trailblazers. He's doing the road games right now, and uh, he was filling in for uh, Brian Wheeler. We all know Wheels. Uh, filling in for him beginning of the season. Uh, but from high school sports to college sports to the NBA, Travis has had his hands in just about everything sports-related here in Oregon. Uh, Travis, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, we love having you. We love... Uh, having you in here we know you got a busy schedule with all the games going on and also your new father yeah got an eight-month-old son lincoln he's at home taking a nap right now or at least trying to take a nap so uh, my wife has uh, got her hands full with him well congratulations on that from everyone at blazer gang appreciate Uh, it thank you exciting news yeah uh it's got to be tough being on the road uh being away from a newborn son like that 
right? Yeah, it is. I mean, the, the first road game we did was the end of September. So mm -hmm. he was like four and a half months at that point. And I had, I'd been away from home a couple of days. Like I was with the Pac-12 media day. I was there for okay. two days. And then I, I was with the hops for four or five games in Spokane. So when my, my son was like two and a half months old, my wife kind of had a little bit of that. And then when the Blazers asked me to fill in, I'm like, I don't know how long this is going to be. So can can we handle this? And to her credit, she's she's been awesome. My mother-in-law lives a few minutes down the road, so she's helped out too. And uh, just it's I've been really fortunate to to be lucky with the family that I have right now. As a father of four, man, I can definitely vouch for that, man. <laughs> right? It's, it's, yeah. It, I, just coming to the podcast for me is a challenge. You know, <laughs> how so, old are yours? Uh, I have a 13 year old, a 12 year old, 10, and then three. So you got all over the oh, map. Yeah. So you you totally get it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. We just have the one that we're dealing with for for now. So. Right. I'm a few years down the road still. So nothing wrong with that. Man. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, so you're originally from the Northeast. Yep. What brought you out here? So I was born and raised in New York, uh, Westchester County, like maybe 45 minutes outside of Manhattan, and then I went to college mm -hmm. in Long Island. I did play by play and show hosting and all that stuff. Uh, when I my last semester of college, I was interning at ABC Sports uh, mm -hmm. as a producer, and I didn't want to be a producer. So I sent my tape out everywhere that I could possibly you know, imagine. And I ended up getting a job doing high school football in Astoria in mm -hmm. 2003. So I came out here for that 50 bucks a week. I'm calling games for you know, Seaside and Warrington High School <laughs> and you know, a couple of games for Astoria and just kind of started from there and worked my way up. That's yeah, that's quite the uh, move I, going from basically New York to Astoria. Yeah. Astoria. Yes. And the funny thing is, like, no, no disrespect to Astoria, right? But <laughs> coming from New York and working in New York City, and I drove out, and I'm thinking, so I, I look at the map, and I see where Portland is, mm -hmm. and I see where Astoria is. And so I pick a place in the middle. I'm like, all right, I'm going to live in the middle so I can commute <laughs> to both places. And I, I've never been in the Northwest before. So I pick out of the map. I go, all right, Scapoose, that's in the middle. <laughs> I drove right through and just kept going. No disrespect to the folks at Scapoose. Yeah. And then I went to Astoria and it just wasn't for me. So I decided I was going to live in Portland. And the games were only once a week. So I just commuted out there once a week to call right. football mm -hmm. and basketball games. And then just kind of got in in Portland and the rest is history. Yeah, you just kind of exploded from there. It took a while. I mean, it, it took a while. I started out, you know, they're now competition, but I was at the fan for 10 years. Um, it kind of started there, you know, as a board op and update guy and then doing some hosting. And then I went to Sirius XM for a year and a half mm -hmm. and then came back almost seven years ago. And I've uh, been with Rip City Radio and iHeart for almost four years now. And you're also doing play-by-play -play for uh, UP, right? Yeah. So this year I haven't been doing it, obviously, because I've been doing the Blazer mm -hmm. stuff for the last, what, Three years I've been doing their uh, basketball games on TV and then uh, baseball too. Mm -hmm. and you were also a coach, and you plan. I heard that you plan on getting back into that when you schedule. Uh, yeah, so I, I coached uh, high school baseball at a low over four years. Uh, I coached. I played baseball in college for a year and uh, and coached back there. And then I had an opportunity when I first moved out here. But now that I've been working nights and all that and evenings, just hasn't worked out. But hopefully, when my son gets a little older, get back into coaching with him. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I coach my son in basketball. Oh, yeah. I find myself sometimes on the bench still coaching. <laughs> it's, it's hard, man, especially when, when you've got a, you know, the mind for it. You've coached before, like to, to watch your kids. And again, no disrespect to the guys that are out there, because mm -hmm. especially with high school, that most of the high school coaches have a pretty good idea of what they're doing. Right. And being on that side of it and hearing parents who always think they know better. Some of them do. Like you, you get some people who maybe like played like some, you know, semi pro ball or something right. like that. But but most of them, especially like in seventh and eighth grade, they're they're used to having the hands-on experience. 
And then you get to high school in that first year, ninth grade parents takes a while for them to understand that Mm -hmm. I can't quite be that hands on with it. So I'm just, I'm hoping when that time comes that I, that I can let the the coaches do their job. Yeah. I know. I I was coaching high school basketball down in Salem for a few years and every time I'm at the gym, it's still in my mind. Like if I'm, if I'm not in the game and I'm on the sideline, I find myself like talking up players like, come on, Let's go lock down D. And I'm like, I need to, I need to take totally. a step back right, and totally. relax a little bit. <laughs> I was just at my son's game before I came in here and uh, I was yelling the whole game. And then I had a, a couple next to me and they was like, you should be an assistant coach. And I was like, yeah, I've tried that already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I heard your recent interview with uh, Alan Roach, you and uh, Chad on the, yeah. on the Rip City Drive. And uh, Chad was talking about how Alan was a really important person for him growing sure. up and kind of a, an inspiration. But I'm wondering what, uh, what made you want to get into broadcasting? Was there a particular uh, icon in your, in your life that I you mean, wanted there, to? There are a lot of them, honestly. So I, I grew up, like I said, in New York and I would listen to WFAN, right? Mm-hmm. So this is I'm 10, 11 years old. So 1992, 93, you know, my parents wouldn't let me watch TV at night. So when mm-hmm. I would get into bed, I would turn on the radio and listen to WFAN. And if it wasn't, you know, a sports talk show, then it was a game. It was the Knicks or the Rangers or St. John's or if the Yankees were playing, I'd flip over to WABC and listen to that. So, I mean, I, I grew up, Marv Albert was doing radio for the Knicks. Okay. And when he wasn't doing the radio, it was Mike Breen, who's now doing the, the ABC stuff. Right. So th- those were the two guys for basketball that I listened to. And I mean, Marv was was always my guy. I loved Marv. And then obviously in the playoffs, he was the voice of the NBA for so long. Yeah. You know, uh, Bob Papa doing the, the New York Giants. Um, yeah, but mainly Marv Albert was was the guy for me growing up. I mean, so it's a pretty good guy to, to have as a as a role model, right. at least as a as a voice. Now that yeah. you're in a, in radio broadcasting, is there somebody that you try to to look back at and try to emulate? A, a little bit, you know, because we, Wheels is so iconic around here. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, his catchphrases are just they're iconic. Boom shakalaka <laughs> and all that stuff. That that's not me. You know, right. if, are if, you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he's, he's so iconic with this stuff, and you could just rattle him off. Some guys can pull that off. I right. I can't. That's just not me. Like mm-hmm. it would sound awkward if I tried to come up with a catchphrase. So I, I'm, I'm I'm sure over time, if I do this for a long time, something might come up. But I, I don't want to be the guy who's trying to force stuff because then it just sounds awkward, right? So mm-hmm. this year, now that I've been doing more of it, I've tried to listen to everybody. Uh, I've, I've you know on the NBA app, I'll listen to as many different play by play guys as I can. Um, really throughout the league. There are a couple that I think are great. I don't remember the guy's name, but the guy who does the, the Clippers, he's he's terrific. Um, Tim Roy down in in, uh, in Golden State with the Warriors, he's mm-hmm. really good. I mean, there are a bunch of like really solid guys out there. So I just try and pick up little things because when, when you're doing it, you kind of sometimes forget that you're maybe you're saying something too much. Like right. uh, I'll have people listen to me, like Chad, for example, he listens to every game. So he, he'll tell me, dude, you're, you're saying got it too much on this basket. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll keep that in mind and I'll try and make sure I don't say it as often next time because you don't want every play to sound the same. That's right. one of the things that, that's tough about basketball is it's so repetitive and coming up with different ways to say the same thing can, can be a challenge. So for someone like Wheels who's been doing it, you know, for, for 20 plus years, you know, he, he's got that groove where he, he knows his flow. I'm still working on getting into my flow. Yeah, and it kind of differs between with like football or baseball. There's a lot of pause. There's a lot of pause where you you talk, you you, know, you can refresh a little bit. Basketball is just constant. It's always it's always moving. Totally constant motion. Like I've I've done plenty of baseball too with the hops in the University of Portland, and you know with with hops, it's minor league baseball. So how much 
information can you really find out about these guys? Like if, if you've got to do, you know, prep for 25 players on both teams and they're constantly changing because guys are going up and down, there's a lot of time to fill. It's not that way in the NBA. Like it, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy at all to prepare for a game in the NBA, but it's so much harder to prepare for a game for baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to say, you know, you have a very professional sounding voice. Like I know me, if I'm calling the game, I might not be so professional. You know, <laughs> I but, appreciate it, man. It, it's tough. Yeah, for sure. And no. even, I mean, I, I listen to the game. Sometimes I get off of work late and I listen to the games on the way home and just listening to it from the beginning of the season to now, like your energy has picked up, you know what I'm saying? And and you guys are actually like sounding, sounding good. As, as far as us for Blazer fans, it's, it's hard to, to go from, you know, uh, let go of the Mike and Mike's, you know, let go of Sean's and have Will's yeah. fill his shoes, let go of Mike and Mike and have, uh, you know, uh, Lamar and yeah, uh, Lamar and Kevin, uh, Kevin, yeah. and mm. Kevin Calabro, you know what I'm saying? Fill his shoes. How have you think that the Blazer fans have uh, embraced you? I'm, I'm glad you asked that. And I appreciate you saying that because I, I feel like there's definitely mm-hmm. been some growth for me. And I have to remember when I sit in that chair, it's it's not about me. Like, yeah, I'm trying to do my thing and I'm trying to build a career and I'd, I'd love to, to do this for a living. But number one, this is Wheel's job. I'm not right. trying to take his job. This is his job. That Somebody's got to do it when he's not there. And so fortunately, I, I get the opportunity to do that. He's been awesome, too. And he said that, that to me because Wheel's is my friend. I've known him for 15 years. And he mm-hmm. said, don't worry about me, right? If, if somebody's going to do this, I'm, I'm glad you're going to have the opportunity right. to do it. And that way, it's like that... A lot of guys would look at a situation like this and, and say, well, he, he's trying to steal my job. Yeah, of course I want to do that, right. mm-hmm. but I'm under no delusions that they're going to say, well, this guy's great. Let's replace you know, him from wheels. That's not going to happen. So I, I don't no want that to happen. It, yeah. No, and that's what's so great about him is that he, he understands that because he's been in that situation too, and nobody had it worse than him right. as the guy who's trying to replace Still Bill Shaw. Right. Right? Yeah. So he, he's been awesome. And I've known him for a long time. He, he's been been great with that. And I, the fans, I, I saw what it was like when, when Mike and Mike got let go. I did a radio show that afternoon and for three hours took calls and people that were pissed <laughs> off. I probably called into that show. You, you might have, yeah. People were pissed off because they loved Mike and Mike. and That's what they knew. Right, know? exactly. Familiar. Yeah, and I, I've, I've known Mike Barrett a long time. He's, he's awesome and he handled that as well as he could. So I... I think it's also the fact that fans know that I'm just temporary, you know, so they know that at some point wheels is going to come back. He's already back doing home games. He's going to be back sitting in his chair full time at some point. So there hasn't been the resentment of, well, this guy is replacing my guy, you know, and I think that's, that's helped me along too, because yeah, I've, I've, I had never done NBA games before. I've done plenty of college games and high school games. So there was plenty to work on for me. So I, the, at least the, the comments that I've heard directly have, have been, you know, really supportive, which has been awesome. That's awesome. So, so we talk, we were talking about wheels. Uh, what was it like that first game, like getting in the seat and just taking it all in? So the, the first game that I did was actually last year. It was the last mm. preseason game against oh. Maccabi Haifa. Mm. People probably don't remember that because I don't have people paid attention to that game, right? <laughs> so uh, it was the day before. The plan was to have Scott Lynn, who had broadcast in this market for a long time, come back from Florida and do... The, the games while wheels couldn't. He couldn't get back in time to do that preseason game. So the day before the game, I get a call from Jeff Curtin, who's the director of broadcasting for the Blazers. And he said, hey, uh, what are you doing tomorrow night? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, why? What's up? Uh, can you can you fill in, do the, the radio broadcast? 
excuse me? Like, are we, are we talking about the right. same thing here? Right. And I mean, I, I was, I was fired up. I mean, I, I went out and you know, I got a haircut, right. trimmed up my beard, yeah. made sure my suit all fit. And I show up and I'm just, the butterflies are, are going crazy. Yeah. I've, I've been doing games for 15 years. So it's not like I haven't been done a game. It's just this setting, yeah. even though it was a game, probably nobody was listening to against a team that had, you know, one guy whose name I could pronounce on the other side. And I go through all the pregame stuff and I, I sit there maybe, you know, 10 minutes for the game. And Michael Holton's sitting next to me and Jay Allen's on the other side. I'm just like, you know, kind of hyperventilating a little bit. So I just, I had to get up and I, I walked down to the, to the media room and I, I grabbed some tea, right? Cause I didn't want to have like some too much caffeine, but I wanted uh -huh. something warm. And there's Bill Shonley and Bill Shonley oh, comes man. up to me and he, he shakes my hand and he said, you're going to do great. Hey, all right, I can do this. I got this. And then uh, I honestly, I don't really remember much about that game. It was like, uh, you know, like that scene in old school where Will Ferrell gets up oh. and he he just blacks out. Right. That, that's yeah, kind of what it was like after. I'm like, wait a minute, what, what just happened yeah. for the last two and a half hours? But <laughs> as soon as that was done, like, I, I really want to do this again. Yeah, you know? I can so. tell you I had those same type of feelings with my first podcast with the guys right now. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But it's cool, though. Yeah. Do you have any uh, do you have any go to's like uh, Brian Willard? He'll do the Damian Lillard's fueled up, fired up and finessed. Yeah. See, with, with that, like. <laughs> I, I, again, I, I have some go-tos, like with just phrases, like mm -hmm. for three, I'll say buries it a lot. Like that's one that mm -hmm. I've kind of always used. But again, I just, if, if I think about it too much, uh -huh. I will trip over myself and I will totally blow the call. So I'd rather just kind of feel it as it, as it goes. Right. Yeah, I, I know exactly what, you, what you're talking about though, because like with this podcast, sometimes I just kind of let it flow. I've been sick the last few days, so I practiced a lot more. And I've noticed it today. I'm like tripping over things. I'm like, I practice too much. Can't, can't overthink it, man. Can't <laughs> yeah, overthink it. You can't overthink it. Uh, do you have any, uh, so being a voice, you know, a broadcaster voice is very important, obviously. Uh, do you have any like pregame rituals you go through or anything like that? Because I know players do, but what about a broadcaster? I, I've kind of had a routine and it's funny. Like I've always hated my voice. Like you mentioned, we had Alan Roach on the other day. That mm. guy has the voice of God. That guy's <laughs> voice is incredible. Uh, Mark Johnson, who does the University of Colorado, that guy's voice is incredible. Paul Keels, who does Ohio State. Those guys' voices, like they, they were born with that. You know, mm. I, I wasn't quite born with that. So you know, hearing myself now, it's like, do, do I sound professional? Do I do I sound like a grown up even? I mean, I'm 37 years old and I still worry if I sound like a kid, you know? Right. Uh, but as far as my routine, you know, I, I get there, I always take the earliest bus. So I get to the arena about three hours before the game. Most of the places I've been to, I've, I've, it's the first time that I've been there. So I'll kind of scout out my location, get all my stuff set up and kind of neatly, very, you know, uh, OCD-like, put all my stuff in order. Mm -hmm. And I'll do the interview with coach two hours before the game. Then I'll go eat. And then just kind of kill time until we come on about an hour before the game. What's a typical uh, game day preparation look like for you before the game? Uh, th there's a lot of prep that goes into it. Um, I should, probably should have brought my charts, but I can show you a picture of them. <laughs> um, I, I have these these big charts that I do, and it's it's mostly you know I do it all on the computer, and then I print everything out, and then I do some arts and crafts, and I cut and paste it, and then paste it all out on my board, and then I kind of handwrite everything in. Um, I spent basically the whole plane ride. I'm I'm doing work um, as much as I can, and for a long road trip too, I'll try and work ahead as much as I can, especially on like back to back nights. Like the the back to back we had, uh, what was it, uh, Utah and Oklahoma City? That that was kind of rough, just trying to get everything done because it was such a, a quick turnaround. Getting mm -hmm. we I think we got to the hotel at like three thirty in the morning, mm -hmm. and then we were Jeez. playing that night. That also gives me a new perspective too on on what those guys have to do on on some of those three games and four nights road trips. Right. And it's like, mm -hmm. you go out and lose by 43 to Milwaukee. Okay, that 
yeah, 43 is a, a big loss, but you can understand why after playing the night before in a close game right. against the Knicks, why they're so worn down the way that they are. Mm -hmm. And I'm tired and I'm not the one who's out there running up and down the floor and still having to go to practice and stuff in between and the I games. And th I think a lot of fans tend to forget that. Like, you totally. know, you're playing a full game and then your turnaround is right back the next day. Like, I think yeah. a lot of people- And the time, right. time differences. Time travel. Yeah, we, yeah, with that, that last yeah. trip, we, we changed, if you count home, we changed time zones four times in five days. That's crazy. And it was, it was nuts. And Mike Barrett always told me that the, the first home game after a long road trip, it's probably not going to go very well. And ever, ever since then, you kind of look at it and it's like, all right, this this makes sense. You're mm -hmm. out on the road for so long and now you're mm -hmm. back home, you get one day off. And that first game back is, especially if it's against a tough team, it's it's tough. But I probably put in per game anywhere from you know five to seven hours of prep per game. As a radio broadcaster, what are you preparing for? Are you preparing for stats, how to say, pronounce the guy's names? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that can be tough. The, the, one, the, the one name that I had the, the most trouble with was a guy that still hasn't gotten in in a game that I've called, and that was uh, Svi Mikhailuk, the guy from the Lakers from mm -hmm. Kansas. Yep. Okay. I sat down with John Ireland, the, the Lakers radio announcer, before the first game and had him like 15 times go over it with me. Fortunately, he didn't get in that game. Now I got it down, so if I do another Laker game, he's in, I'm good. But uh, that, that one was tough. And like I, I try and prepare for everything, right? So what I do is I have all the, the current stats for this year, and then I go in and I have what is this player's, uh, what they do last year against the Blazers or Blazers against the other guy. Last year, uh, this year, career high, their career numbers against that team, and maybe what they've done this year if there's playoffs, and maybe I'll use like 1% like of that stuff, but you never know when you're gonna need it. Yeah. So I try and be prepared for, for everything. Are you a are you a written notes guy or a type notes? Both. Both. You know, like uh, it's funny. I was at I think it was in Dallas, and the uh, the engineer who is you know the, the guy who comes and sets up for every team. He asked me if I brought a laptop, and no, I don't because I can't imagine myself you know trying to Google something during a game. He's like, okay, because most of the guys do. So I'm one mm -hmm. of the younger guys doing this, and I'm doing it more of an old school way <laughs> than, than some of the older guys. I thought that was kind of funny, but. Uh, I, I type a lot of stuff and then I then I handwrite it in, but I, I'd rather have it printed out in front of me than having to try and mess with the computer mm -hmm. during a game because I will screw something up if I do. Yeah, I'm just not uh, tech savvy enough to look something up on the spot like that. Right, <laughs> like with with baseball, yeah, I'll have my laptop with me. That's that's easy, but not with not with basketball. It's too fast. fast. Yeah, fast yeah. Fast, yeah. So I, I got a, a question for you here. So you're from New York. Yeah. You're from the East Coast. You grew up a Knicks fan. Yeah. And you actually got to call a game at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, you know, walk it, me through those emotions. It, it was incredible. First of all, I mean, I I grew up a Knicks fan for sure. Um, look at the last fifteen years; you can understand why mm -hmm. I don't love the Knicks like I used to. <laughs> but I, I've been in Portland covering the Blazers longer than I was a Knicks fan in New York. So I, I, I'm right now. I'd consider myself just as much of a Blazers fan as, as a Knicks fan. But mm -hmm. going to Madison Square Garden as a kid, that being the place that I went to with my dad and my friends, and it's Madison Square Garden walking out onto the floor and walking over to the basket. Okay, this is where Patrick Ewing missed the layup in 95 to, to lose to the Pacers that my friends <laughs> scarred still you, scarred you totally for life. scarred me for life. Like I, I went outside, I was 13 years old. I went outside and I, I lowered my rim, my my my, uh, my backboard in, in my driveway and I'm, I kept practicing that shot over and over again. Like I was never gonna have a chance to do them. Like, oh, I can do this. Come on, Patrick, make, make that shot. That was that, that was one, one job. Yeah, exactly. As a Knicks fan, that. 
that to me was more heartbreaking than uh, John Stark's performance in Game Seven in '94. Uh, that was that was rough too. Um, but just being there, being in that arena, and and knowing what the the ghosts are like there. You know, Willis mm-hmm. Reed going out in '73. Um, all the the Knicks Bulls games that I grew up watching. Carmelo scoring '62. Carmelo scoring '62. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, not that that guy ever had any help, but uh, <laughs> just being in that experience. It's something I never thought I'd, I'd be able to do. Call a game in Madison Square Garden against my current team and my childhood team. Mm-hmm. It was incredible, man. That was bucket list number one crossed off. Yeah, that's like the best of both worlds. Totally. <laughs> and speaking of the Knicks, what do you think about the trade that went down yesterday? Looking mm. on your Instagram, <laughs> uh, it says if this doesn't happen, the trade is a major fail. So you're hoping that Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and then we'll we'll come to the Knicks as well as drafting Zion. That, that'd be that'd be the dream, man. And if not Kyrie, I'd take Kemba Walker. You know, he's he's from the Bronx. He's yeah. a New York kid, yeah. and I actually kind of like Kemba, even though he's a couple of years older. I like him as a better better fit for for that team. He's hungrier right now, yeah. but. If you trade away Kristaps Porzingis, who's 23 years old, who gave you, what, 23, 7, 40% threes, mm-hmm. two and a half blocks mm-hmm. a game, and he's 23 years old and can move the way he does, and you don't turn that into somebody like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or Kemba Walker, that's a major fail. Mm-hmm. You, you had a, The hardest thing to do in the NBA, and Blazers fans understand this, is get the star to build your team around. Right. You have that here in Damian Lillard. You thought you had that in Brandon Roy, and then you had to regroup when, when all that went down. That's why so many teams are, are trying to, to get that perfect guy in the draft because Kevin Durant's not going to the Warriors if they don't already have Steph Curry and Klay exactly. Thompson and, and Draymond Green and, and those guys. Anthony Davis isn't going somewhere that doesn't already have a LeBron James or Damian Lillard, you know, knock on wood, <laughs> or somebody like that. So you've, you've got to get that first guy. The Knicks had that guy. Now they don't have that guy. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to, if you think you have any chance of getting somebody like Kevin Durant, he's not coming alone. He's got to come with somebody else. So you don't think, I, I feel like Kevin Durant takes a lot of messing up the NBA on himself when he did that, uh, yeah, he does. that, that deal to go to state. So I, I believe myself that Kevin Durant might want to go to a team where he mm-hmm. is that only person and then build around him. He He's the one guy that I think would, would be willing to do that, but I don't know if he's going to be willing to do that and start over in year one and looking around that roster. Yeah. Okay, you get Kevin Knox, who's a good right. young player. I, I like him. Uh, Mitchell Robinson's, you know, a good young center. Um, outside of that, I mean, really what – what is there? They just lost their their best score. Seventy four million dollars in cap space. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So you have the room to go, get Kevin Durant, pay him as much as you can, and then go pay somebody else as much as you can, yeah. and hope that the you know that you suck as much as you have been to get you know a, a chance to get a top three pick. Yeah. And if if it's not Zion, I love Zion, but if it's not Zion, I really like John Morant, but not on that team. Because if you're going to bring in a point guard, why bring in another 6'3 ball dominant point guard when yep. you still have Dennis Smith Jr.? Right. If it's not Zion, I'm looking at you know R.J. Barrett, somebody like him. Mm-hmm. As, as a Blazer fan myself and as a competitor, I hate to see teams, especially my team, try to tank for, for position. Yeah. Are you on board with tanking for Zion? Normally, no, but it can't get any worse than it has in the last 15 <laughs> years. So why not? Try something yeah. new, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. for sure. So uh, let, let's pivot a little bit to the Blazers. Yeah. So this, the team's 32 and 20. Uh, I mean, I was looking at ESPN's rankings at the beginning of the year, and they had about 39 wins. Uh, so we're seven wins away from that right now. Uh, how do you think the Blazers have done this far? I think they've done phenomenally well. I mean, I, I thought this was 
and, and Chad brings this up all the time on our show. I said this was going to be a 50-win team. They're going to be a 50-win team. I, I thought they were going to be somewhere between 46 and 48, which is not really that mm-hmm. far off from 50. But I think they're they're in that ballpark right mm-hmm. now. They have the toughest schedule in the league before January 1st, so that's going to open up a little bit. Um, you know, they, they, they've played – the tougher teams in the league, they've already played Golden State three times. Mm-hmm. They're done playing Houston. They don't have to play the Warriors or the uh, the Rockets anymore. They've played Milwaukee twice. They've played Toronto once. They've played Boston once. They've gone through a lot of these tough teams already. They're done playing Utah. Uh, they've played Denver a couple of times. So the, the teams that are left on their schedule, there's only one game left with Phoenix, but you still have a lot of the teams in the East. And they're 14-3 and against the East right now. I, I can absolutely see this team being a, a 50-win team. And the, the evolution of how things have gone, the first 15 games, they were winning because their bench was phenomenal. Yeah, right. They were they on came fire out hot. They came out hot. I, w- I was yeah. as surprised as anybody with that. I mean, Nick Stauskas, oh, I mean, right. he's 24 points in the opening game, and what, what, is he, what has he done since? Has he had 24 P&P points since? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Seth Curry, though, has finally started to look like yep. Seth Curry. Layman's yeah. been mm-hmm. stepping up. Jake, oh, wow. Jake's been terrific, and, and Myers confident. Leonard, too. He's, yeah. he's had a, a good year. So they've done it in different ways. They went through that stretch where they lost eight of 11. And of course the sky was falling and mm-hmm. well, now they're back to winning. What are they? Uh, four, I think they're 14 and three in something like that. And they had a good January. I don't remember exactly since the beginning of the year. I think it's uh, 11 and four, 11 and four. Yeah. There, that's right. So you've done well to start the year. You've gotten some good play from your bench. Damian Lillard's been playing great. Nurk has been terrific. So it's, making sure that when CJ has a rough streak like he's had, and now obviously he's been great the last couple of weeks, you can endure through one of your better players not playing well mm-hmm. and still finding a way to win games. That, that Look at what Clay Thompson did for the Warriors in November right. and, and December. He was terrible. Mm-hmm. It was the worst shooting stretch of, of his career. They bounced out of it. They got out of it just fine. So having the, the depth to be able to endure when Nurk gets into foul trouble early or Damian doesn't have his best night. And I was about to say, we haven't even mentioned Nurk, and he's been playing great, you know, offensively. I I think what's really been a change is the Blazers playing inside out instead of trying to just play outside game. Exactly. Exactly. Early and trying to to get that established and then bouncing outside. Yeah, Yeah, and with that, how many times have you seen this year where Damian will have five assists in the first quarter and they're all the Nurk? Because it's on a pick and roll, and they, they whoever it is, they take advantage of that mismatch. Right. That that stretch at the end of uh, December and into January, where they played Golden State when they didn't have a center. They played uh, Sacramento, who was rolling out Costa oh, yeah. Kufis, mm-hmm. and Nurk was just abusing the paint because they took advantage of that yeah. matchup. There are some teams that you have to do it that way, and now being able to do that on the inside with Nurk, who has finally figured out how to finish around the basket – and C.J. Right. McCollum is getting his shot back to where we thought it was going to be. And I think, you know, a lot of teams are trying to, you know, emulate and copy, you know, Golden State, you know, with the shooting the threes and everything. But, like, the game, it can still be played through the post. Yeah. And with a player like Nurk, you know, feed the beast, you know, mm-hmm. Bosnian beast. Like, once you get him going, it opens up other things for, you know, Dame and C.J. and then Layman, you know. So, I, I like the way the team is going, you know. But to, so. to your point... If you have a guy that's capable of doing that, look at Jokic right now. I mean, Jokic yeah, has right, been exactly. unbelievable. Exactly. Denver's three-point shooting has been better than it has been in years because you have to pay attention to Jokic on the inside. Now that you have to pay attention to Nurk, you're getting open looks, and not just from Damon. CJ, like you said, Jake Lehman, even Myers Leonard the other night, Farouk gets open looks all the time. You've got to be able to do multiple things. Have to, mm-hmm. have to. Now with Jake Lehman, do you think uh, you think this is sustainable? Because I... He had a couple good games and then kind of took a step back and now he's back. And I, I want to see him, you know, progress into that role of, of a good, solid bench rotation player. But That's I'm just what gonna... I think he is. I think, I think he can be a good, solid, solid bench rotation player. Mm-hmm. 
he's one of those guys that like when, when you're around him a little bit, you know that he is so thrilled to be in the NBA. Like he's, he's happy just, to be there. he's so happy to be there and he works his ass off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he works hard. He stays ready. Yeah. He's always on the first bus. He's always one of the first guys out there working out. They've got to pull him off the floor and it's, it's, it's showed, you know, he, mm-hmm. he's taking advantage of, of the opportunities that, that he's gotten. He, he, he's an athletic guy, but you don't look at Jake. You don't look at the way he plays and say, all right, that guy, I need to build my team around, but you need guys like him who have the energy, who have the athleticism, who can shoot, uh, who can make those backdoor cuts because no one's paying right. attention to him and right. take advantage of what's given to him. I think he can be a, a solid rotation player on this team. He's kind of like, almost like a glue guy, like somebody that yeah. does those little things that don't necessarily show up or impact the stat sheet, but it, they're important to the games, like his movement just on offense, like moving Totally, around. and I think you can look at, at Farouk the same way. Like mm-hmm. the, you sometimes look at the numbers. Well, he, he scored two points last night. Yeah, but how many rebounds did he have? Exactly. How many tap backs did he have? How, how who was he guarding? After, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Locking down, I should say. How, how many times does he force the ball away from whoever's carrying the ball? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's not the most dynamic offensive player in the league, but I, I and I understand why people are talking about trading him. It, it makes sense in some contexts, but I think the players value what he does. The coach obviously values what he does, and he's been so important to this team. And I can say, you know, with the Blazers, you know, I think consistency is key. You know, all the other teams, you know, this past offseason went to go get somebody, you know, CP3 a couple years ago with Houston, you know. Um, but with Blazers, we basically like stay core, you know, to our team. And I think that benefits us, you know, out in yeah. the West. You I, know, so. I agree. And I, I see it two different ways, right? I see it the way of you've got to build with what you have and make the right move. This time of year, people want to talk about trades. I love trades. I, I love the excitement of, of seeing a new guy on this team. But there's the other side of it is, well, why doesn't Neil Shea make a move? Why doesn't this happen? He doesn't talk to us. That's, that's how he handles things. And I understand that to an extent because most of the trades that do happen, when the Nurk trade happened, nobody saw that coming. We, no. we knew Mason Plumlee was probably going to get dealt because they weren't going to just let him walk for nothing in the right. offseason. But Nobody heard that specific trade. So I think there's a lot of stuff that that's going on behind the scenes that we never hear about. Maybe he is too shy to break up Damon CJ. Maybe he is is going after the wrong moves. I don't know. But at the same time, he hasn't made the wrong move in terms of trading for the wrong guy that breaks up what you have and and sets this team back even farther. I think you've got to wait for the right move, whatever that is. Yeah, you got to be patient. Talking about how the Blazers have done this far, I think the biggest thing with the fans is going zero and four in the playoffs. Yeah. Coming back. um, We started off great. Fans was on the bus and then we kind of slid back. I think one thing that the fans want um, is to hear more from Neil O'Shea. We want to hear that you at least tried, you know, tried to make a trade, even though it doesn't go down. And I I think that's one of the biggest problems with the fans right now. Sure. And and Neil O'Shea. So I, I totally understand it from the media perspective. It's like, what, what are you trying to do? I think I know what you're trying to do, but I don't, I don't know that that's what you're trying mm-hmm. to do. So if, if Neil Shea comes out and says, all right, this is what was on the table for Paul George, they said no, whether it was because Kevin Pritchard didn't want to deal with the Blazers or because it just wasn't as good as what the offer was, what, what exactly do, does that do? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what does that do for the fans? If anything, it just pisses us off even more because either we didn't offer what we wanted or we were that close and, and mm-hmm. we didn't get the deal done. So I don't know if that actually did happen, if that would be a good thing or a bad thing. 
because we, we don't know what was offered. We don't know if the Blazers are trying to make a deal right now for, for Miritich or for Aaron Gordon or Anthony Davis. Right. We have no idea. We just know that when the trade deadline comes and goes, if nothing happens, it looks like he's just sitting on his hands mm-hmm. doing nothing. So again, with the, like the, the Porzingis deal, they've been talking about that for a couple of days. I, I saw the notification come up on my phone that Porzingis is going to the Mavericks. Like, what the, you know, right. you, I can't say what, what, what I said yeah. at that point. So we, we didn't hear about that stuff. If when, when you see stuff get to the media, when you hear the trade demands from Anthony Davis, when you hear the trade demands from Paul George, the public's hearing about it for the first time, but everybody knows, everybody knows that stuff. So if you show your cards, then that's when you get that. That's when the deals don't end up going your way. I could see that. Cause I was thinking, I was thinking along the lines of like, it'd be nice to hear him talk about uh, different styles of players that he's maybe targeting, like maybe not a name, but like we need to improve this position or this position to kind of make our team as a whole. But like you just said, if you show your hand and you make those things known, when you go out and make that deal, the person knows that you want, you know, you want them a little bit more yeah. and they're going to make it harder for you to get him. And just with this recent leak um, with um, KGW posted it, but I believe it was somebody, another Twitter personality that actually talked about it. But fans feel like a lot of this stuff is coming out and it's just fake to try to make Blazer, Blazer fans feel like Neil is trying to do something. So like yeah. the aggressive move towards Mark Gasol and stuff like that from the Memphis Grizzlies. Blazer fans aren't really like biting on that. Like is, is this getting like we're trying to figure out, is this getting put out just to kind of ease our tensions? You know, I, I think what a lot of it is, you have to go to where that stuff came from. Mm-hmm. Right. And do these people actually have inside information? I have zero inside information. So when, when I talk on the radio like we did yesterday about Aaron Gordon, I think that'd be an awesome move to bring in Aaron Gordon. You know, he's, he's got a very manageable contract for the next few years. He fits the timeline. He's getting better shooting threes every year. I think it'd be awesome. That's not me saying the Blazers are talking to the Magic about Aaron Gordon. That's me saying I think that would be a good move. Right. And that's what I think a lot of this stuff is. The, the deal that came out from Steve Kyler about uh, the Blazers are seriously pursuing uh, Mark Gasol. I kind of take that with a grain of salt. I don't know that there's actually anything to that. And it's nothing against Steve Kyler. I just don't know what his sources are. The one guy who I trust is Woj. That's the one guy. Yeah. Now, now Shams is starting to, to be Shams, that guy too yeah, yeah. because they have direct contact mm-hmm. with these guys. They have direct contact with the general manager. So, and again, n- nothing against Rip City Project, but when Rip City Project puts out, this is what would make a good deal, that's not coming from the Blazers. Mm-hmm. That's them just like I am saying, I think this would be a good deal. But as soon as fans see that come from a publication, whether it be a fan blog or, uh, you know, a uh, blazer's edge or, or or you guys or whatever it might mm-hmm. be they just assume that's something that's in the works and it's right. not i think that's yeah. where those lines get blurred a little bit is just because something is out there doesn't mean that's actually being talked about at this point right. most of it is just idiots like me saying i think that would work i'd like to see that <laughs> you know catch a speed yeah yeah so while we're talking about trades uh and you just you just touched on aaron gordon i think that'd be a great fit too if we could figure out a way to to keep pair him with cj and dame and hold on to Nurk, I think that would be an awesome fit. Uh, but are there any other guys that you have identified? Uh, you know, I heard you guys talk about Miritich a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I like Miritich a lot. Um, I like his ability to hit three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's an upgrade offensively at one of the wings. Again, the problem with Miritich is you're only going to have him for 30 games if, if you can't yeah. re-sign him. Mm-hmm. I still don't mind that. I just don't know if I want to give up a first-round pick for that. Depends right. on what New Orleans is trying to do. If they're trying to clear cap space – 
maybe you can make something work with that. Whatever you do, I just I think it needs to be at the at the wing position. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I like Farouk a lot. I like Mo a lot, but I don't think both of those guys together are starting caliber players on a great team. They're starting caliber players on a on a good team. They're role players on a great team, but to have both of them in the starting lineup uh, when you need production out of your three and out of your four, they just don't give it consistently enough. So if you upgrade one of those positions, well, then you can get away with someone who's not as offensively talented being on the floor with them. So if you trade Chief and you still have Maurice Harkless, well, now because you have an upgrade offensively at the four, you can get away with Mo not giving you 15, 17 points or mm -hmm. whatever it is tonight or, or being inconsistent or, or vice versa. I just think because you know what you're getting out of your backcourt, you know what you're getting out of Nurk, and it's so inconsistent. And I go back to the game at Oklahoma City a couple weeks ago. Neither of those guys had a field goal until the final play of the game right. when the Blazers were down 11 and, and Chief got a, a, a dunk at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a field goal. That can't happen on a team that, you know, that that wants to make a run at the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, exactly. And then it depends if we get bearded Nurkic or Miritich or unbearded. <laughs> <Mirchich>. <laughs> yeah, right. which, There's two which, different players. That's, that's yeah. a valid question. That's it a valid is a valid. Question. Whichever, whichever one is going to shoot, you know, forty percent from three. I don't right. care if he's got a beard, if he's got a mohawk, whatever. Right. And we see that he was aggressive. Shave his head for all I care. He was right. aggressive in the playoffs without the beard. So. Right. He he was. I mean, th yeah. that guy killed us last year. Yeah. Man. That was that was rough. The Absolutely. thing I like about Miritich is that if we did trade for him, we would have his bird rights. Right. And that's huge because with our tax situation, uh, it would give it, if we wanted to move forward with him for another year or two years or whatever, it would give us that flexibility, flexibility to do so. Right. And the, the whole thing with the tax, like, I know Blazers fans don't want to hear this, but mm -hmm. management is kind of in purgatory right now. Right. So what's mm -hmm. going to happen? Who, whoever the new owner is, when's that going to happen? When is Jody Allen going to send the team, sell the team a year from now, three years from now mm -hmm. is whoever that owner is that comes in going to want to come in and inherit a tax bill. So it's, it's not just the fact that getting over the luxury tax line prevents you in three, four years when you become a repeater. It's does whoever, whoever the new owner is, when they come in, do they want to have that bill? I don't know the answer to that, and I don't know if if the Blazers are willing to just say, "Okay, we're we're going to go for it now and deal with that later." I don't know if they're saying we need to get under the tax now, and if that is, you're probably not going to be, you know, trading for anybody. I think they are aggressively looking for someone to make this team better. Uh, there is value in getting to the Western Conference Finals and losing, even if you don't think you can beat the Warriors. There's absolutely value in that. Number one, this this is an awesome place to live in the springtime, and just imagine how much fun it would be mm -hmm. to see this team make a run into late May. It'd be incredible. I think we're going to find out a lot of what they think they're capable of next Thursday. Mm -hmm. Because if, if, if they don't think that deal is out there, the right deal, you might see them cut costs and say, okay, we're, we're planning for 2020 when we do have cap space. Mm -hmm. A lot of the trades that I've been hearing either has uh, E.T. or Aminu in it, you know, and then the C.J. for like the bigger players yeah. like A.D. or whatever. I'm, I'm kind of skeptical on getting rid of Aminu or E.T. just because they're our best defenders on the floor. They guard every night, night in and night out. They guard the hardest person uh, that they're going up against. So yeah. to me, that's kind of tough getting rid of either one of them. I like what Evan Turner has done in terms of his role. I mean, when you ask him to come in and, and shoot threes, that, that's not who Evan Turner yeah, is. No. Yeah, and then, then, you, then you blame him and say he's not worth the money because he's not making threes. That's not what he does. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you ask somebody to do something they're not capable of, that's your fault for asking them to do it, right? Yeah. And that, yeah. that kind of thing happens all the time. 
Now that he's coming in off the bench and he's being a, a bit of a facilitator and he's playing on the ball with that second unit or he's playing on the ball with Damon CJ and letting those guys play off the ball, his role has just been night and day. And I, I, I love what Evan Turner has, has done for that, this team this year. With Aminu, he's come up with some big games. He had a huge shot against Boston, things like that. And he's, he, I, I'm with you. I think he's their best defender, especially in the starting lineup. But at, at what point when he doesn't give you enough on the offensive end, let's say he limits somebody to 10 points below their average, but he's giving you four points. Where, where do you break even on that? Yeah. So if you can bring in somebody like Meritich who can give you 20 on a given night or can ignite your offense with a couple of threes, there's got to be a trade-off there. Okay, we're, we're willing to take a little bit of a hit on the defensive end because we know we're going to get something else on the offensive end. Yeah, there's nights. I mean, I've talked about it in the last couple of podcasts, but there's nights where he'll have like 15 and 10 and yeah. then other nights where he won't even have a rebound and have like two or three points. Right. So, right. You know, that's definitely that's definitely the struggle with uh, with Aminu on that. that and like, like you said, with the consistency, just if, if I know what I'm going to get every night. All OK, right. I'm a lot happier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we can get 12 and 10 from Amino and him, you know, provide the defense on the defensive side, guarding the other person, other team's best uh, offensive threat. And we can definitely you know start him as our small forward sure. and be able to have that consistency and that, that faith in him. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's on an expiring contract, right, this year? I believe so. Aminu? Yeah, he's got a, he's a little under seven million for mm-hmm. for this year, and then he's 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 done. Yeah, it doesn't mean he won't be back. It just means yeah. it's his contract. It's yeah. going to be interesting because like, Et Myers and Mo, next year they're all going to be expiring, so that might be the time when you could actually see a good deal put together because you could you could send those guys off as cap cap relief for right. somebody. And look, look at what Dallas did this week, right? They they traded Wesley Matthews and his twenty plus million. They mm-hmm. they traded DeAndre Jordan. Wesley Matthews is a four-year deal, right? Mm-hmm. This was the fourth year mm-hmm. of that deal. So now going into that next year, when you've got, what, 18 for Evan Turner, another 10 each for, for Mo and for Myers Leonard, so you're looking at almost $40 million. Yeah, that, that, that's where you can get some real work done mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you want to trade those guys. If not, you can wait till that money comes off the books and you've got a lot of salary cap space in 2020 to go along with uh, Damon CJ entering their last year. So with mm-hmm. that said, the, the Blazers, that could be a reason why the Blazers hold off this coming up deadline to hold off until next year to yeah. sell those expiring contracts. And that's what I think is going to happen. Now, I don't think we're going to see anything major in terms of um, you know, bringing in a, a big piece. Like if it's somebody like Aaron Gordon or Miritich, that makes you better right now, and you're still not trading away those, those big pieces mm-hmm. with the, the, that are expiring next year. And plus, you know, everybody knows Golden State's going to win. Of course, you know. <laughs> so I mean, that would be a great point, you know. Just wait till that year, and you know, see see where the uh, the cards lay. Because yeah, it's going to be different next year. I mean, with Golden yeah. State getting ready to break up, you know, yeah, because that's going to happen. Yeah. That's going to happen. Like, is KD going to play for the Knicks next year? Hey, you never Maybe. know. Maybe. Yeah. Where, where's Boogie going to sign next year? Right. Exactly. Clay, Clay Thompson. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Is Clay Thompson going to want to go home to LA? Lakers. Yep. So, so, we, so with that, you know, we could just stay put. And let, let's see what this, uh, yeah, see right. what happens. Like the, the, the word patience, people hear that word and, and I get it. Oh man, we've been patient. That's the problem. <laughs> right. For, for a while. So if you've been patient for this long, can you be patient just a little bit longer? Because if that does happen with Golden State, whatever, if, if you think you can make a move right now to get to the Western Conference Finals, but you know you're going to lose to Golden State, but you wait one more year and see if those guys leave Golden State. Right. That team that now can get to the Western Conference Finals because you believe they can beat anybody else in the West. Well, now there's no Warriors in that context, so mm-hmm. you might be able to make a Finals run. I, I mean, think we, we have, could. Yeah, I mean, we have a good fan base, right? Great. Uh, fan we have base. a great fan base. I think. I think fans are getting just a little fed up. I mean, we got back to back 
sweeps in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. mean, we really we only made it to the second round after uh, Damian Lillard's. You know what I'm saying? Heroic uh, zero point nine shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I mean, I, I think I think the organization has a. a, a uh, opportunity to to give back the the, the fan base, but also uh, a chance of risk of losing the fan base. Also, totally, a- absolutely, and I think at this point, what you just brought up, people are so frustrated around here. I, I, I talk to, to people all the time that just they, they just want to see something. Mm-hmm. They want to know that Neil Shea cares enough to make this team better, right? That he's not mm-hmm. just collecting a paycheck, and I I believe that he does. We just haven't seen it yet. So what's what's the point where people just get so fed up? They're like, "That's it, screw it, I'm out." Mm-hmm. You know, call me when when they do something. Mm-hmm. There there are still people that have not returned to the team as fans because of the early 2000s and the quote jailblazers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got well, that's a whole right, but, <laughs> that's story. That's old. Yeah. Yeah. Right, people got to get over that yeah. at some point. Yeah. Right, how much do you love basketball? How much do you love your team? Right. You know, I, the teams that I'm a fan of, I'm always going to be a fan of those teams mm-hmm. because I've been here as long as I have. I could move away tomorrow, and 20 years from now, I'd still care about the Trailblazers. So, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna care either way. But what, what's that move look like? Or does that move look like anything at all? If if they talk about, let's just say Aaron Gordon, for example, right? But they have to give up Zach Collins. And a first round pick. Is Zach Collins and a first round pick wor- or is Aaron Gordon worth Zach Collins and a first round pick? I think so. But if you strongly believe that Zach Collins is gonna be that guy, or that maybe that first round pick could turn, could net you something better, right. then you gotta hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were talking about this before the show mm-hmm. with the first round pick, and and uh, we we're saying like it's kind of tough to give up a first round pick. And I said, Well, you know, our last first round pick was Caleb Swanigan. Well, not our last one, but a recent one. So you think of it that way and it's like first round pick can be very valuable, but it can also be a miss. Yeah, it can. And that's why uh, picks are more valuable before the draft than they are for whatever you get in the draft. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the idea of getting a first round pick for, from somebody it ends up being better than actually having that first round pick. So I, I think they're going to use it. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I think they're going to end up using, if not this year, next year, for sure, they're going to use a first round pick to try and do something combine it with a player to go make whatever that move is mm-hmm. because that that's going to hold a lot more value than going out and drafting somebody that's going to be a coin flip at 20 or 22 or whatever. So as soon as it happen now, then if they don't bundle that first round pack uh, pick, then they'll be able to bundle it in the summertime. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, draft day somewhere in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. I would be shocked if we don't see some kind of move between now and draft day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same here. I, if we don't make any kind of move before draft day to, to improve the roster and get better, uh, we got to seriously look at, at gen- the general manager, I think, at that point. It's just been too long. I, I, the patience is all good, uh, and I understand that argument for it, but at some point, enough is enough. Yeah. And I feel like that's where a lot of fans are feeling right now. Right, and I, I don't want to come across as, a, as an Neil Shea apologist because I understand mm-hmm. the things that, he, that, that he's done and say yeah, that, that makes job. a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. And then I've looked at some of the other things and, I mean, okay, why did, why did this deal happen? Why did yeah. that deal happen? But at, at this point, given the, the landscape of what the NBA is, do you want to sell off pieces of the future to make a run at being an also-ran, a, a Western Conference finalist? Mm-hmm. What, what's the point of it? What, mm-hmm. what is the point of getting to the Western Conference finals knowing that Golden State's probably going to beat you? I wouldn't trade CJ for that opportunity, oh, no. but I would, I would certainly trade a first-round pick for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're talking about all these rumors and all these potential targets. 
But I'm curious, you personally, if you had the had the reins of the team, what would what is there a move that you would go out and make? I'd make the Aaron Gordon move. Aaron Gordon. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Miritich. If Miritich had a year and a half left on his deal, I'd probably go there first. But Aaron Gordon with his contract, I mean, this year it's like twenty one and a half million and it goes gets progressively smaller. Mm -hmm. So it's like sixteen and change the last year of that deal. Plus he's twenty three, so he fits into that that time frame with mm -hmm. the other young players. If I mean out of that group of stars, your oldest guy is 28 years old. That's Damian Lillard. He's the oldest guy of that group. So you put Aaron Gordon on a team with three more years left in his contract, with Nurk with a few years left, Dame with two years left, CJ with two years left. You've got a pretty damn good core. You do the same thing with Miritich, and yeah, he's 27, but he walks at the end of the year, and now you don't have that first-round pick to, to mm -hmm. potentially use as a package, or Zach Collins, or whatever it is. There's a lot less flexibility. So Aaron Gordon upgrades you now and still puts you in a position in the next few years where you can compete. we got a lot of history with the Orlando Magic. What yeah. would you like <laughs> to see us give the Orlando Magic for Aaron Gordon? I mean, I mean you got to put in the past terms of what we got from them and what we had to give them, like Shabazz Napier, Maurice Harkless for two yeah. bags of potato chips yeah. and a handshake. <laughs> it's so. worked out pretty well, right? <laughs> uh, I think you probably have to put a first-round pick in that, right? And then you have to make the, the salaries match because both teams mm -hmm. are over the cap. So you got to come up with $21 bucks. Where does that 21 million bucks come from? Um, it's probably Al Farouk Aminu because his deal's expiring. So that's $7 million that comes off the table for them. You probably have to put Zach Collins in there. That is tough. Yeah. But again, you're, you're getting somebody who is incredibly athletic yeah. for mm -hmm. and 23 years old for the next three and a half years. I Give think I'll away. do it. I'll do it. You'll do it? After I'll after him explaining everything. <laughs> I, I, I love Zach. When, when that draft pick happened, I was, a, I was a big fan of Zach. And I still like Zach. Mm -hmm. But if you have an opportunity to go get somebody like Aaron Gordon, who's young and is going to be here for a few years, I'd make that deal. Like People always want to go back to Jermaine O'Neal, right? Jermaine O'Neal, terrible mm -hmm. move. Jermaine O'Neal turned into an all-star. I mean, he was a superstar in the NBA. They made that deal knowing they were giving up on somebody who was good to make a run now. They didn't care about five years down the road. They right. said, Dale Davis is going to help us now. We're willing to give up this guy because it's going to help us now. I think Zach Collins is going to be, I don't know if he'll be an all-star, but I think he'll be a good starting caliber big in the NBA. But long we don't know, career. Long, long career, career, for sure. But we don't know that. Right. We mm -hmm. think that's going to happen. We know what Aaron Gordon is right now. And if you're getting impatient, Zach Collins in five years isn't import, as important as Aaron Gordon is in the next two or three years. Right. But then you also, also have to put in that we're getting rid of our best defender. Yeah, but again, <laughs> your best defender who's probably not going to be back next year. Got you. Copy that. And Aaron Gordon, like his athleticism, like I think he might almost be able to take another step in his system because he's been in Orlando. I mean, look what he's doing in Orlando and the guys yeah. around him. I mean, if he yeah. has CJ and Dame facilitating, and him, Nurk him, down and low. Him be crazy. Yeah. And him not yeah. trying to be the first option like he was in Orlando. Right. I, I, mm -hmm. Me, personally, I don't think that's his game. But if he's that second fiddle, third guy. Mm -hmm. right. And now that Orlando's Perfect. trying to build around Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba, right. and trying yeah. to get They're, younger, yeah. they don't really have a need for guys making $21 million, exactly. even if he's young. The other thing, too, is you go back to the series against New Orleans last year. Mm -hmm. Dame had a terrible series because you had Rondo and Drew Holiday trapping him and putting all the pressure on the guards. Farouk wasn't hitting shots. Mo Harkless, I think he only played in two games in that series. Yep. You had nothing on the wings. So now if you bring in somebody who can shoot the three, who isn't Damon CJ, and it spaces things out, now you can't put all of your attention defensively in your backcourt, and that's going to open things up for Damon CJ. Exactly. And I was thinking, I know it's not – too popular. What about Blake? 
Blake Griffin? Yes, sir. I like Blake Griffin. Um, he just makes a lot of money, man. He makes so much money. And with that huge contract. Long time. It's, that's, yeah. a, that's a long time. That, that was a desperation move by Stan Van Gundy last year. And they just didn't have the pieces around him in Detroit. The, the Clippers saw that as, well, we can trade Blake Griffin, who just who wants to be here. and who it, I mean, think about this, too. When you think of the Clippers, who's the first guy that comes to your mind? Blake Griffin. <laughs> Chris Paul. Yeah, Blake Griffin. Maybe Chris Paul. He's gone. Blake Griffin could have easily gone down as the best Clipper ever. And not even close. Maybe yeah. Kawhi ends up being that. I don't know. But now <laughs> Blake Griffin isn't going to be that guy. So they moved the guy who wanted to be a Clipper for life, who was making a ton of money, and they're better off for it. Uh, Montrez Harrell. That dude is a beast. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. been awesome this year. Yeah. You bring in Tobias Harris. You get uh, uh, in, in that deal, too. Um, Avery Bradley. Uh, wow. Mba Mute in the, in the Chris Paul deal. And they used that, the picks they got to draft Che Gilders-Alexander, mm-hmm. who has been terrific. So I, I look at Blake Griffin as, yeah, Blake by himself is, is great, but what you're going to have to give up for him, the return, the, the return isn't as good as, as, what you're, as what you're giving up. Yeah, my concern with Blake is that, I mean, he was just such a powerful threat down low, like the wear and tear on his body, you know, as, he, yeah. as he's getting older. And he's starting, to, he's starting to become more of a shooter and less of a pounder down right. low. Right, So that, I mean, that kind of worries me. Right, and, and if he's, if he's going to do that, where, where does he fit in? Right. So I, I like Blake Griffin. I just don't like him at his value for what you'd have to give up. Well, on that note, uh, I'm going to let you get back to little Lincoln in the Appreciate life. It. Thank uh, you. But uh, we want to thank you so much for being in here with us. Uh, everybody at Blazer Gang appreciates it. Uh, I know Eric appreciates it a lot. For he's, sure. been, he's been working hard to make uh, connect the dots here. Uh, and we'd love to have you back on when you're in town and you got some more time. Yeah, I'm happy uh, to do it. I, I remember a few years ago when uh, when that show Trailblazers Pulse first started, and mm-hmm. I was on that show with uh, uh, a couple Jamie other guys. Yeah, yeah, Jamie and, and Dusty, and yeah. uh, you know we were getting tweets from Blazer Gang, and that's when I first heard about you guys. So uh, it's, <laughs> nice. uh, it's pretty cool to finally have a chance to meet you and, and hang out. Thank you. Yeah, and one thing we we coined the name. There's been a lot of talk about Jake Layman's nickname. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we we've coined a name for him. What is it? Slayman. All right. I've I've heard that a little bit. Uh, next time I'm on a broadcast and he does something, I will get slamming in. Yeah, there you go. No, there you go. If he's hot, you know, and you just out of nowhere just slamming. You got it. You got it. <laughs> that I can promise. Right on. Uh, and, and Travis, just remind the listeners uh, about your show and where they can hear it again. Yeah, Rip City Radio, six twenty a.m. weekdays, three to six, uh, with Chad doing the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad, uh, and then uh, Blazer Games until Wheels is back. All right. Well, thanks again. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Of course, you guys know by now, Killer Burger sponsors our podcast here at Blazer Gang. Uh, Today's episode is actually brought to you by the Peanut Butter Pickle Bacon Burger. It's complete with bacon, like every single burger that Killer Burger has. It also has a peanut butter sauce, house sauce, mayo, grilled onion, and pickle. And trust me, you might be a little bit iffy on it, but I'm telling you, it's amazing. I wasn't sure the first time I went into one, but I, I get it almost every single time I go there. You can find Killer Burger locations all across the Portland metro area. They're in downtown Portland. They're on the east side. They're in North Portland. They're in Southeast. They're even at the Moda Center. So when you're going and watching the Blazers live, you can go into the Killer Burger at the Moda Center, tell them Blazer Gang sent you, and grab yourself a peanut butter pickle bacon burger. 
So that was Travis Demers. And guys, I think that might have been one of our best interviews yet. I really liked the story he said about how that first preseason game he, he called, he went down into the media room and he ran into the Shans. And the, the Shans told him, you're going to do great. I mean, can you just imagine you're calling your first game? You, you, he didn't even know about it. Right. He got called the day before. Right. And the next day he's talking to the Shans about to call a game for the Blazers. Right. Like, that's just incredible to yeah, me. Yeah, Mr. Ripsity himself, you know, just letting him know, the rookie know that, hey, you're going to do well. And then Travis said just right there at that moment, it was just the ease of tensions for him. Right. Like, All right, I, yeah. I would have had so much confidence just going mm -hmm. into that, man. I would have been like, yeah, yeah, I got this. And yeah. him just saying basically like it was an out-of-body experience for him. Like he <laughs> yeah, he really, blacked out. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't know what happened during right. the game. Like the game got over the final right. buzzer did, and he was like, what just happened? Right. <laughs> No, that was great, man. Uh, good interview from Trav, man. Uh, especially with him talking about, you know, how the the Blazer fan base uh, has kind of accepted him. Uh, has how how uh, how Wills has kind of passed the torch to him. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. made you know that eased his tensions a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, just him knowing Wills knowing that Travis isn't there trying to take his spot or anything, yeah. and just there to like fill in and help out. And, and how Trav, you know, he said that it, it's not about him. It's about the Blazers fans. You know what I'm right. saying? So he does his preparation and he does his in-game stuff to try to excite the fans. Now, yeah, a real humble dude, man. Like, you could tell he's just making the most of his opportunity. And, you know, he just appreciates everything that he's done. Yeah, and he's, he's actually doing. grinded his way up yeah. in the industry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, he really, I mean, he started, he said he was making 50 bucks a game doing high school high school games in Astoria. Right. And right. now he's calling games for the Blazers. Right. Like, that's. That's a rags to riches story right there. Yeah, right. We got what you want. We got what you need. Come it, light it Come it, join team. So on the uh, phone with us right now, we have the beat, the Pelicans beat writer for the Times Picayune. Am I saying that right, Andrew? Picayune. 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 If you want to do it like that. <laughs> All right, we have the yeah, the beat writer for the Times Picayune uh, down in Louisiana. He's going to be talking with some trade talks with us. Uh, I know we've all heard about Anthony Davis and all the rumors around there, but there are also some more complimentary role players that we want to talk about as well. The uh, first question I have for you right now, Andrew, is I know it's been a tough week down for New Orleans Pelicans fans with the whole Anthony Davis situation kind of exploding. Uh, it's like a wildfire. But I'm interested, as somebody that uh, is a Pelicans fan and follower, obviously, what what would you like to see the Pelicans do, and or how would you like to see them handle that situation? I think right now the the first thing I think a lot of Pelican fans want is they they understand AD is gone. Okay, they understand that they're not going to get a hundred percent value. You're never going to get a hundred percent value for a player of his caliber, um, mostly because you're there's, there's usually like not 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 a guy that you can get that would replace him right away if you tried to do it with four or five guys, but. Uh, I think the first thing that fans want to see is uh, a, a direction and a better, maybe something different from the front office. Uh, Del Demps has been here since 2010. One of the first things he had to do was trade Chris Paul uh, and navigate through that first lockout season. It, it, it's been a, a difficult ordeal for him. Um, he reports right now in, in technically to Mickey Loomis, who is the general manager of the New Orleans Saints. Mm -hmm. uh, the Saints uh, owner, Gail Benton, owns both teams. A lot of fans want to see a maybe a, a Loomis lose that title, come in with a basketball uh, president of basketball operations somewhere and a new GM possibly. 
Uh, that's, I think, what they want first. Now, and, and as far as the deal, I think you just want the best the best deal out there. And I think Pels fans would rate it. Um, maybe 1A is, is the New York deal where you could possibly get Zion if they win the lottery. The number two deal would be Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and whatever picks Boston has. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably offers from 27 other teams or and then whatever the Lakers have uh, <laughs> after that. So you're, so you're rating the Lakers deal kind of down there at the bottom of the barrel then? I think the fans definitely see it that way. I mean, I, I think it's a little bit better than what some of the fans are, are, are claiming. But, you know, you're hearing right now that, the, the you know, initially early in the week, the L.A. Times was putting out that it was every, all the young pieces were on the table. And there was a there was a deal with Ingram, Kuzma, Lonzo, Zubak, and a first-round pick. And then last night, you know, the, the, the Pels kind of start fighting back through their, 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 uh, media and go through Woj and Shams. And it's, you know, Rondo and Lance Stevenson are in these deals yeah. and it's only two of the five guys. And I, I think a lot of, L, uh, a lot of Pels fans just don't want to see him go to LA because they don't want to see LeBron and Clutch basically steal a player from them under contract. I could see that. I kind of get a little sense of that, almost like resentment, like, you don't want to see the yeah. in- inevitable go down. Even if he ends up there in free agency, you know, a year from now or whatever, you live with that. But uh, you're, you're totally fine with that, but you just, you're not going to help it out. And, I, and that's why I think, I, I don't think the a deal gets done before the deadline. And, and I think this does go into the summer when the Knicks pick becomes um, a little bit more valuable. And then when obviously the, the Celtics can, can get in on this. So, <laughs> Hey, Andrew. But yeah, is, the fans just don't want to get it there. Andrew is Andre, a uh, Blazer Gang owner on uh, uh, here in studios. It's in- interesting that you say that because just the other night there was an interview with um, Anthony Davis's father, who actually uh, keyed in yeah. that he doesn't want Anthony Davis going to Boston because of the uh, the way that um, Isaiah was treated. Yeah, which is weird to me because still I don't I don't know if I'm pretty sure every other team does that. Like, yeah, I get Isaiah stuck his. You know, his neck is, is, well, his hip out in general for you, uh, because how he played in the playoffs. But I I don't know a team in the NBA that wouldn't have done that deal where you could get Kyrie Irving. Um, was it cold? Yeah, but that's what the NBA is. It's a business. And, Mm. you know, I, I think that was just another thing out there. But, you know, in the same vein, he also went out and quickly said, you know, I don't speak for my kid. That's, you know, that's, Mm-hmm. You know, just my feelings on it, but but he, his dad has been outspoken before, and I I don't think and and then quickly, I mean, as soon as that came out, I mean, I think it was like the first quarter of that broadcast, Woj was on ESPN and said, uh, you know, that doesn't change anything about what the Celtics think or what the Pels think. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that was just more of maybe Clutch trying to trying to get some things out there that to to kind of make this deal happen the way he wants it. Mm-hmm. Go, going back to that that first statement that you had made about uh, what the fans are looking for, so it's it's more than just uh, trying to find a piece to build around. It's it's trying to change up that whole front office staff, also. Then, I think they that I think that would be the thing that they would be more they would they would be happier with that. They would be happier mm-hmm. with having a clear direction, having uh you know a president of basketball ops and maybe a new general manager, maybe a new coach, and then. You know, obviously, let that that front office figure out where we're going to go, what direction uh, they want to take the team in, and rather than just Dell making a move and then Dell not being the one who's making the moves in in three months. So you, they they want a clear and concise thing. And like I said, it, the other thing is just they just don't want the Lakers. <laughs> right. 
Do you see anybody on the current roster that New Orleans or the fans would want to build around? It's 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 Drew, um, and, and all indications are Drew is going to stay through this process. Um, if Drew wants to be traded, you know he can uh, probably you know ask for that and, and get it. But I, I don't see that happening right now, and, and they're going to try to use him as the as the pivot. I think they're going to still try and stay somewhat competitive. They're not going to hit a complete reset and go into uh, completely trying to. Uh, you know, to, to, to rebuild with draft picks and do this. They're going to try to, to, to build back some assets off trading the Meritages, the Randalls, the Etuan Moors of the world. They're going to attempt to do that in the next couple of days, mm-hmm. but um, it's not going to be a Philly trust the process situation by, by any means. So if Anthony Davis doesn't get traded before the deadline, doesn't, don't you think that it'll kind of make the chemistry kind of awkward in, in New Orleans for the rest of the season? Yeah. Uh, the, the Pels themselves, the team, hasn't it hasn't seemed to bother them at all he's been on the bench the last two games he's been at practice he's in san antonio right now um they, they've done a lot of different things where he's still been a part of the team he took the team to dinner i think the day after he made the announcement um he it, it's it's weird but uh it, right now i think what you see is they're going to just try to to kind of just do what the best thing for them is and i think that's going to be you know sitting him uh, right now. So you, so I was just going to ask you on that. So you think that, uh, the team is going to, is going to sit him at least for the foreseeable future to kind of protect their asset. Yeah. And it's in not only to protect their asset, because let's get real, he, he's not the most durable guy in the world, mm-hmm. but on the, on the same side of that, he's also, uh, I, I mean, he watched what happened to Boogie last year. I mean, Boogie, mm-hmm. Boogie's ankle just, I mean, I mean, Achilles just, you know, popped. And that was, uh, you know, a year plus on the shelf. And uh, the, the other side of that is if you're the Pelicans, you're six, you're five or six teams out of the playoffs right now. You still have to jump the Lakers. One of those teams are the, the Lakers that you have to jump, uh, including uh, a slew of other teams. If you play Anthony Davis, you're more than likely to win more games than you're going to lose down the stretch. Mm-hmm. You probably want to better your chances for the for the lottery yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe you can turn around and win it, and then you can get the New York pick, and then you can really restart a build if you get maybe the number one pick, the number four pick, okay, and you're looking at maybe getting two of those Duke guys. So yeah. there's a lot of things you can do, and I, I just don't think winning helps you at all right now if you're the Pels. The Pelicans looked real good in the playoffs, Going four and zero against Portland. What changed just in the off season for the Pelicans? A lot of it was was some of it was losing Rondo, which was a, a big voice on that team. Uh, but it's also been been another bad luck of injury. You, you seemingly replaced Rondo and Demarcus Cousins in the rotation with Julius Randle and Alfred Payton, which is a pretty it, it's it's a it's a little bit of a dip, especially from Demarcus's production. But you weren't even getting that production when you made that push. You weren't. You didn't have him when you when you swept the Blazers. Uh, but this time around, everybody has gotten hurt. And what you've seen is, um, on, on the flip side of that, you've seen uh, more guys who are just. I mean, Alfred Payton. I think the, the the lineup that they wanted to use the most: Alfred Payton, Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore, either Nico or Julius, and AD. I think they're like six and three this year when they played those guys. Mm. They've only had them for nine games. That's the mm-hmm. problem is, is, you know, you're 52 games into the season, 53 games, and the lineup you wanted to use, you've used nine or 10 times. 
that's bad. <laughs> you're not going to get a lot done. Uh, you're not going to get a lot done if that's what you're what you're trying to build around. So once the you know when the, all the AD news came out, you know people here in Portland were going crazy because we've been looking for a superstar for you know another superstar for a long time. Uh, but once kind of the water settled and everybody realized 80s probably not going to come to Portland, uh, we've heard a lot of other names. One I want to cue in a little bit is uh, Miritich. And I was a yeah. big fan last year. I wanted to trade for Miritich when he was in Chicago. Unfortunately, you guys kind of stole him away from us, and, uh, and then we saw what happened <laughs> in the playoffs. But I'm still on, Mir- on the Miritich bandwagon. I feel like he could be a good fit here in Portland. But what is it going to take to get him out of New Orleans? Right now, they're, they're, they're trying to get a first-round pick for him mm-hmm. right now. Um, and they understand that if they're, if they're dealing Miritich to a team who's going to pay a first-round pick for, which is essentially you know a 30-day rental plus his bird rights, mm-hmm. uh, if, if you're going to get a first-round pick, the team that's going to do it is probably picking 23 or below, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in that range, 20 or below. Um, maybe you can get a team that has maybe two high seconds, you know, two, two in the 35, 40 range. Uh, that's what they're trying to get. But even if I think it comes down to it and they can get um, maybe a young piece and and a second rounder, maybe they do it because they, they, they realize they have to kind of try and sell what they can right now on all these assets. Mm-hmm. We've been, uh, as far as Blazer game, we've been campaigning hard for Anthony Davis can you let Blazer fans know like what our chances are of actually getting Anthony Davis? I'm going to say low. <laughs> um, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, if it would have the package that they would want. Um, right. I mean, obviously build, build it around CJ. The, the thing about uh, having a package built around CJ is if you have Drew, Drew doesn't want to be a point guard. Mm. CJ is not exactly going to be the one all the time, and Drew doesn't like being the one. So I don't mm-hmm. think that. Well, that that backcourt sounds fun, uh, and I'd like to watch it. I, I don't think it's going to work um, if you have a CJ Drew backcourt. That's inter- That'll be an interesting backcourt just because Drew's skill set on the defensive side, and that's something that we've kind of lacked with our backcourt right now. Yeah, yeah, it would. That would help on that side. And, and Drew, and the thing with Drew though, Drew sometimes takes the best three on the court. Like he'll take the best uh, wing player. He, there's been times where he's guarded uh, Kevin Durant. I think the other night he, he asked if he can guard uh, Jokic uh, because they were getting eight up on the inside. He asked if he can guard Aldridge. And they're like, all right, Drew, we, we, we got to hold you a little bit. We still have other guys you need to guard. So he, he wants to guard the best guy on the floor. And that's what I think, you know, has endeared him to New Orleans fans so much is he has uh, – he always wants to go out and just give it his all. And, and that's why I think he wants to stay through the rebuild. Well, Andrew, right before we get you off the phone, can we get a hot take on Anthony Davis and where you think he might land? Uh, if, if I'm a betting man right now, I'm, I'm going to bet that he's, he's going to the East coast. I, I have a hard time believing that the, uh, the owner, the ownership and the general manager right now are going to send him to Los Angeles. They're very upset about how this is all shaken out. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel like this is Rich Paul trying to play a game and they're, they are not playing it. And mm-hmm. I, if, if I have to make it a, if, if I'm, I'm saying today where he's playing to start next season, it's, it's Boston or it's New York. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting how uh, Rich and Rich and LeBron are kind of like owning the league right now. Yeah. It, it's great. Cause even like you thought when Rich had, 
you know, uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope signed that big deal mm-hmm. with the Lakers for whatever many million he's, he's on 12 or 13 this year, um, that he was basically going to use him as a trade piece. And then last night you hear the only two players the Lakers have not talked about or made available are LeBron, obviously, mm-hmm. and then KCP. So obviously Clutch is protecting his client, and that's where I think it, it, it's kind of aggravated them even more that, you know, this isn't about just getting AD. This is just about this is about clutch. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what has kind of upset them to where it, it's going to take all five of the prospects and multiple first round picks for them to do any, any possible deal with the Lakers. Hey, Andrew, this is Chris. Uh, following up with that, uh, what, what, like basically with clutch sports and what LeBron is doing with the NBA, like what are your thoughts? Do you think this is going to be a problem foreseeable in the future of the NBA? Just having, you know, LeBron having so much control with the free agents and, you know, people signing with their uh, agency? I, I think they're, they're going to have to look at it. Um, but I don't, know, I don't know exactly what they can do. Can they, they, can they tell, um, you know, uh, a player, hey, your friend can't be an agent? Uh, you know, I, I don't know how they control it, but I, I do see owners trying to uh, make some sort of move to kind of get a little bit of this control back, um, mm-hmm. you know, when they can I remember when Chris Paul got uh, vetoed by David Stern for going to uh, with the trade, trying to go to L.A. I've been hearing a lot of people like uh, Charles Barkley and other people trying to chime in, trying to uh, tell Adam Silver that he needs to veto anything that tries to go to L.A. right now. Yeah. And the the thing with the going back to the CP thing, a lot of people, when they talk about that, they're like, oh, he did it because he didn't want Chris Paul to be with Cody. Stern was actually the the owner of the Hornets at the time because the NBA had taken the team from George Shin. They didn't want the team to move to Seattle. He didn't. Stern didn't want that on his his resume base. He didn't want the, the New Orleans to lose a basketball team twice, and he definitely didn't want it to, to lose it because of Hurricane Katrina, which was still like four or five years before this. He blocked the trade because Dell Dents never ran the trade by him. And Dell was basically making a deal that was going to send New Orleans into like AC purgatory for the next four years. Um, and Stern, as an owner, was like, no, let's make a deal that will make us suck. And then we can get a better draft pick. They make the deal to make them suck more. They get Anthony Davis out of it. Um, instead of a deal that would give them, I think, Kevin Martin uh, and, and some other pieces. Lamar Odom, right before Lamar Odom went in the tank. Uh, it was a lot of... Pieces that have been like, oh, I, I think Young Gordon Dragic was like the biggest, became the biggest thing out of that deal. But the idea was he wanted to, he wanted the team to suck. He canceled it as an owner, not as the NBA commissioner. Now, now if Silver can prove collusion, sure. Uh, I just think you're going to have a really, really, really tough time proving collusion uh, in this case, as much as it looks like they're, they're trying to steer him to a certain place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then would that even take effect when he becomes a free agent? Like, they really can't shut him down at that point. No, because they're, they've been pretty liberal on that. I mean, and obviously, I mean, you look at, at Draymond, which, by the way, I think Draymond complaining about Rudy Gobert crying the other night was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Had to go call Kevin Durant in the parking lot to get him to come, to come over there. And yeah. he admitted, I think, I mean, he admitted that he cried when he made his first All Star team or when he told his mom, whatever it was. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you players talk to players. That's that's not going to get stopped. But if the, the, the thing here, and I think the issue here is trying to, all, like, to actively get a player who is under contract with another team traded to your team is something that they're going to have to look at. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, you, you said players talk to players, but I also know media members talk to players. <laughs> so next time you're in a room with AD, uh, maybe drop a little hint. Tell him to give uh, Damien a call up here in Portland. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll pass it down. He'll, he'll be in a locker room tonight. I'll, I'll flip the code. <laughs> well, on that note, I want to thank you so much for your time. And uh, maybe uh, we'll give you a call closer to playoff time. Maybe we'll have some uh, conversation going on then. But uh, thank you so much. No uh, problem. That's Andrew Lopez, Pelicans beat writer for the Times. Pecky Yoon. Did I get that right? Pecky Yoon, there you go. Where can they find your stuff online? Uh, NOLA.com is a website. NOLA.com is times Pecky Yoon. And then uh, my Twitter handle is underscore Andrew underscore Lopez. I got in the game a little bit late on, uh, <laughs> on Twitter there. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much again, Andrew. Hey, no problem. And look, I think while we were doing that, the world just came out that they're not trade zero, um, mm. like at all, which is what I kind of heard this week. So mm. it's a very Woj, interesting Woj situation. To ruin the podcast. Yeah, have a, have a great day, yeah. Andrew. All right, man. Later. That's some great insight there from Andrew Lopez uh, over at the Pelicans beat for the Times, Picayune. Uh, what do you guys? What? How do you guys feel about that? Well, it was kind of interesting. I mean, the Pelicans really willing to get rid of everybody besides Drew Holiday. So, I mean, they're really putting everybody out there on a trade block. Um, just hearing, you know, some of the Anthony Davis uh, rumors and him him actually not thinking that, you know what I'm saying, Anthony Davis will get traded this, this season and more so getting traded in the offseason. You know, it's just, it's just interesting with all the Anthony Davis rumors going on, especially with those uh, rumors, you know, some of them being for Portland also. Yeah, I thought the thing I took out, out of that interview the most was him talking about how almost out of spite, the New Orleans Pelicans don't want to trade Davis to L.A. Mm -hmm. just because of everything that's gone down, which right. I don't blame him. If I was the one calling the shots, I'd be like, hell no. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not going to tell me how to do my job. You right. know what I mean? So I don't blame him, but I, I thought it's funny that somebody from his perspective, you know, being a fan of the Pelicans and somebody who covers the Pelicans thinks that way too. Yeah, definitely. And and just, you know, hearing the mirror chicks and, and what they want, you know, for for him, you know, as Blazer fans, you know, we'd we would like to have him, but will we give up, you know, I'm saying a first round or for mirror chicks, you know, for mm -hmm. a, a little bit of a rental too. So And with that, I me personally I wouldn't do that deal, but maybe another team would. Yeah. But for us, I I wouldn't pull that deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, second round, sure, but first round and he's on it's a 30 day rental. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, uh, if I could pull that trigger, but we would get his bird rights. And I think that's huge with our tax situation if we wanted to keep him. Uh, but yeah, that was Andrew Lopez. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez. We got what you want. We got what you need. Come and light it up. So on the uh, phone line with us right now, we have site manager and host for the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast, Joe Molinax. Uh, so first question is, what's exactly going down in Memphis right now? I want to get a feel for uh, for where the team is going, because we've heard a lot of rumors with, with players being potentially shopped. Uh, are you guys in tank mode? Are you trying to do a quick rebuild? Well, what's the next steps for the team in Memphis? Oh, it's going to be a long rebuild. It's definitely not going to be fast. It's going to be the opposite of fast. It's going to be sloth speed rebuild. Um, and the unfortunate part of all of this is 
they obviously now have to be in a place where they use their two best players uh, that aren't Jaron Jackson Jr., because obviously they're not going to trade him. Mm -hmm. They have to use him, or, or those two, Mark and Mike, as their main pieces, their main cogs, to any rebuild that they're going to do. So those guys, you know, whether it's Mike Conley to the Jazz or Gasol to Charlotte, a little bit of Portland buzz here and there, um, those are the two guys that they're going to move to try to get as many assets as they can, and I think it's more likely than it's ever been that they move both of them uh, as opposed to neither of them. I think uh, six, five, you know, however close we are to the deadline now, days from now, Mark and Mike uh, won't be Grizzlies anymore, and that's going to be really weird because they've been together for over a decade in Memphis. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you think that the rebuild is going to focus more around Jaron Jackson and then everybody else is available? Absolutely. Uh, I think Jaron, when you take somebody fourth overall, 19 years old, he's shown elite-level defense already. And then beyond that, his offensive game is more evolved than I think most folks thought it would be at this stage. He still makes dumb mistakes. He still does things in terms of fouls and turnovers that are problems, but he'll grow out of that. And others before him, like Shaquille O'Neal and, and other bigs, have grown out of those problems. I think he'll be the same way. And he is worthy of that build. It just comes down to refilling your asset cupboard, which the Grizzlies have blown over the years with Jeff Green trades and and other types of guys, even Justin Holiday this year, uh, that was a big mistake. Uh, they got to find a way to get some of those assets back, and it starts with trading Mark and Mike. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of Mark, there was a report that came out that said the Blazers were aggressively pursuing Mark Gasol, which kind of threw us off a little bit in Portland because we know Mark's a good player, but the fit was kind of kind of a, a weird fit here in Portland. So the, when it came out that we were aggressively pursuing him, it was it was kind of strange. What kind of value are you looking for a guy like Mark? Well, Portland does make uh, – Portland is kind of confusing, to be honest with you, because does that mean they're trying to trade Nurkic? Because that wouldn't make any sense at all to me if they're trying to move on mm -hmm. from Nurkic. At this stage, I would much rather have Nurkic uh, and on the contract he's on than Gasol in his situation. Um, so I, I guess if it doesn't include Nurkic, which makes the fit even weirder, he would have to be at least a first-round pick and a young, talented type of guy, a prospect, so to speak, somebody like a uh, very Gary Trent Jr. or someone along those lines. Mm -hmm. um, he, he's on Portland, right? I don't have the roster. In front yeah, of me, yeah. So. Gary Trent Jr. Uh, yeah, Gary so. Trent Jr. was actually just in the G League, averaging about 36 points a, a game in six games. There you go. So somebody like that, uh, a first-round pick, and then beyond that, it could be Cap Filler. It could be Myers Leonard. It could be Evan Turner. Mm -hmm. uh, whatever terrible contract Portland wants to get off of, uh, I would take in exchange for a first-round pick and a young player with promise. That, that would be my price, not just for Marcus Gasol, but also for Mike Conley in any trade negotiation. That's, it, that's interesting because the take that we've been getting on is that CJ would have to be involved in a trade for, for Marcus Gasol, which we're – not yeah mm -hmm. no i don't mm -hmm. want cj no i i'm the opposite of that i want again i'll take every bad contract you've got i want picks i want young players because the thing about memphis guys and, and portland is similar but i think portland is an even better spot than memphis free agents aren't coming to memphis you know once upon a time we were both competing with Kayla Parsons. And the Grizzlies had to overpay Chandler Parsons to get him. Right. Uh, nobody, Kyrie's not coming to Memphis. KD's not coming to Memphis. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, none of those dudes are coming to Memphis. 
you got to build through the draft and you got to build through restricted free agency. You got to get those guys in your building. You got to get them built up in whatever culture you establish. That's the way I want to build this thing. Uh, CJ McCollum's a very good player. I'm not knocking him for that. I'd be thrilled if he was a Grizzly. But that's a, that's a band aid on a bullet wound. They got to rebuild this thing from the ground up. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like bringing in CJ to a team that you're really trying to, like you said, build from the ground up is kind of a weird fit. But uh, I want to talk to you about another another potential target that uh, personally I I like the idea of this. That's uh, Jamichael Green. What do you think? Yeah, of- he's a talented guy. He's been a he's been somebody who's built himself up, obviously from the G League to now being a, a player who has value on both ends of the floor, can defend on the perimeter, can hit the three, especially from the corner. And he's an expiring contract uh, for Jamichael. Obviously, not as good as Mark or Mike. But a similar concept. If Portland was willing to give up a first-round pick and Myers Leonard or Gary Trent Jr. and Myers Leonard, something like that, I'm not asking for both in mm-hmm. a case with Jermichael, but one or the other. I want a first-round pick or a young player and whatever bad contract you've got. I'll eat money as long as I'm getting an asset in return. Yeah. Uh, and obviously it's on a smaller scale with Jermichael, but the same philosophy still applies. Yeah, I get the first round maybe for Marcus All, but – Jamichael Green, man. That's, It'll probably that's, be a second rounder or two. Yeah, I think that's yeah, fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. What about Garrett Temple? What do you think about him? He's been rumored in some trades to Portland also. Same concept. Uh, and, again, I would say Garrett even less than Jamichael. If we got a second-round pick for Garrett, I would be happy. I probably wouldn't take on, you know, a long-term bad contract for Garrett, especially if it's only a second-round pick in return. But if it's an extra year of money and a, and a good second-round pick, maybe it's unprotected, that would get Garrett Temple, at least in my eyes. Mm. So like a trade, maybe like a Maurice Harkless and a, and a second-round pick might be in the ballpark, or at least a conversation starter for Temple or Green. I would do that, I would do that for Temple with no hesitation. Green, maybe we'd have to talk a little bit more, maybe a second-round second pick or a heavily protected first that becomes two seconds if it doesn't convey after a couple of years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I said, I value Green a little bit more than Temple at this stage. I see. So another question, is there a, a, a target out there for the Memphis Grizzlies? Because I know you, we were talking about Green and Temple, which are you know small potatoes, but with Marcus Gasol and, uh, and Mike Conley, is there a target out there, not necessarily just in Portland, but in general, that you kind of have your eye in and cute on and you want them to attack? Nobody realistic. I think, you know, a pipe dream would be like a Malcolm Brogdon kind of situation. If you convince the Bucks to, to give up Brogdon uh, and, again, bad salary. Uh, D'Angelo Russell was, was a pipe dream once upon a time, and that's certainly not going to happen now. I just want to see them make cognizant moves and, and moves that have a, a vision in mind. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, fellas, this is going to be a long-term, low, long, slow burn of a rebuild. You know, Darren Jackson Jr., the Grizzlies probably won't make the playoffs again for another two or three years. If that's the way it's going to be, you need to put pieces around him that are going to grow with him. That's one of the reasons I don't want C.J. McCollum. C.J.'s already kind of an established entity, a borderline all-star player in the pretty tough Western Conference. He's similar to Mike Conley in that way. I want guys that are going to grow alongside Jaron. I want guys whose skill sets fit his allow for Memphis to kind of evolve their offensive and defensive schemes. Uh, the problems for Memphis really start at the top uh, in terms of looking at 
the, the ownership, the front office, coaching staff, it's really a, a top-down deal with them in terms of having to improve things. And I think that will come with time. But here in the now, they have to find ways to get young assets. So I don't necessarily care who it is. I just want younger players or first-round picks at the disposal of the Grizzlies here five days from now. Yeah, it's all about finding, getting on the right timeline because that's what we're going through here in Portland is we've got CJ and Dame and Nurk. We've got to find players that fit in that timeline. Getting a young asset you know, is great for the future, but it doesn't help the next two or three years where we really have a sure. you know, window. So I, I, I totally get what you're saying with that, with the timeline thing. No, absolutely. And Memphis, not too long ago, was in a similar boat during the core four era when we were making the Western Conference Finals and things like that. We we were once upon a time buyers ourselves. And obviously Portland's success has kind of coincided with that of Memphis. Memphis has just ended there. Uh, you guys are at your peak. You should definitely be looking to try to get an Autumn Porter, uh, you know, whatever possibly might be out there to push you into a place to at least compete with the Houstons and the Golden State of the world. That yeah. needs to be what you guys are looking for. I think that Marcus All is maybe that for you, uh, but the, I, I think smaller move peripheral is Jermichael Green. Yeah, we talked about that. Bolstering your rotation. We talked about the Otto Porter uh, chance of getting him. His contract is just pretty bad, Darren Washington. Yeah, it's not the best, but I mean, you got to. You got to pay for that kind of player at this stage, especially after the way free agency was a couple of years ago. So yeah. I think that again, if you're Portland, is are you going to get somebody better than Otto Porter? Realistically, probably not. Anthony right. Davis isn't coming to you. Right. Uh, I don't think you know. Maybe you think Andrew Wiggins is better, but what do you give up for Andrew Wiggins? I don't think Andrew Wiggins is better. You, you kind of go by what the market allows, um, and it comes down to your ownership and your general manager group to figure out, you know, is the opportunity cost loss of going all in with Otto Porter, Dame, CJ, Nerf, is that worth not being able to be a player in free agency? I think for Portland it would be, just like for Memphis it would be, mm-hmm. because neither team is really a heavy hitter in free agency. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Knicks, who blew up with Porzingis and the massive trade a couple of days ago, it makes sense for them to do that because Kyrie, KD, whoever it is, mm-hmm. those guys will come to that market, and that's been right. shown before. Uh, especially with the way that the Eastern Conference is kind of in limbo. Right. I just think that with us already being over the luxury tax and pulling in the big contracts from uh, E.T. and the bad contracts from Myers and Harkless, I don't, I don't think that the Blazers are willing to bring in another bad contract, whether uh, otherwise, you know what I'm saying, more so trying to trying to get rid of those bad contracts, clear up the cap space while we're still in Damian Lillard and C.J.'s prime of their contract. No, that makes total sense. I don't disagree with that at all. Like I said, it just comes down to having to weigh and walk the line as best you can. You don't want to compromise your future too much. Otherwise, you wind up like Memphis in the current situation there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Joe, I want to just give you a thanks for coming on the show with us today. Uh, we'll check in with you. Maybe if we get a trade this week, maybe we'll give you a call back Absolutely. next weekend. Uh, but uh, happy to do it, fellas. Thank you so much. Yeah, and, and just real quick for our listeners, can you uh, remind them uh, where your work is at? Oh, sure. I'm the site manager over at SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues. You can go to grizzlybearblues.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. M U L L I N A X. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate you. That was Joe Mullinax from Grizzly Bears Blues uh, over in Memphis. 
a lot of interesting stuff he said there. Uh, Wiggins, uh, not better than Porter. Yeah. Doesn't want any part of McCollum. Like, where, where do we start here, guys? Uh, we got to start with the CJ thing as far as him not wanting anything with CJ, man. I mean, you know, especially for a team that is willing to get rid of, you know, their star point guard. You know, I mean, I, I think CJ can definitely fit into a role that doesn't already have like a star point guard. Yeah. And even for like the fans aspect, you know, if you're going to give away two of your pillars, you know, that been there for 10 years, like you kind of want like a big name. You yeah. Know? And he's yeah. he's that community guy. CJ's that community guy. He's that team player. I mean, he's putting up, you know, anywhere between 22, 24 points this season, right. you know, and he he continues to get better. He works hard in the offseason, you know, and he, he prides himself in his game, you know, so. I don't, I don't know where that came from, man. I would take CJ if I was a Memphis Grizzly fan. Yeah, and, then, and then what he said, uh, sorry to cut you off, but he said Jermichael Green for a first rounder. A little overvalued oh, yeah. there, you that's know. True. So. And I, I get what he's saying with the timeline because like we're doing the same thing here in Portland. But again, if you ship out the two pillars of your team and you don't bring anybody else exactly. in, like you risk losing the fan base at that point. Like they're, they're going to burn the city down. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you that's risk. That's crazy. You risk yeah. Losing interest, losing revenue, and you you know you can't have that in the NBA, especially with Memphis. I mean, it's not like they've been in Memphis forever. They've been there for what 15, 20 years when they moved mm -hmm. from Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So that's a that's a big risk for them. Yeah, I was I was surprised to hear also that he didn't like the Justin Holiday trade. I mean, before Justin came to Memphis, he was doing great for uh for Chicago. Uh, they do have a lot of. A lot, looking at their roster, they have a lot of bad contracts that, yeah, they have to kind of surround around the team around JJ, you know what I mean? Mm. You know, he's young, uh, so they do have to surround self around that. But, I mean, they got Joel Kim Noah, then they got Chandler yeah. Parsons, you know what Still I'm saying? Still making like 20 mil? Yeah, I mean, it's just bad contracts, you know, bad players. I mean, yeah. and maybe we got some bad contracts here, but yeah. so does Memphis. Omar uh, Caspi. But even what Joe is saying, probably they got to, you know, just restart from the front office. Yeah. yeah. You know, At maybe they need a Jackson. new direction. Yeah. Yeah. As long as they got him, they might be on. Right. Clean, clean house and build slow that yeah. way. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for us today, guys, here at Henry V Studios. Uh, but let's just give one more special thanks to our guests today, Travis Tamerno, Joe Molina, Andrew Lopez. Uh, it was really great for them to all work some time out of their busy schedule to spend some time with us and talk some Blazer basketball. Make sure you guys are checking out BlazerGonian.com. We've got all our sweet merchandise on there. Rip City on the ass shirts. We have, uh, we have hoodies. We have beanies for this cold weather that we're about to get coming up. Uh, we've got our new Rise Above merch, as well as all of our articles going up by our, our brilliant writing team on, the, on there. Like and follow us on all our social medias, Facebook, uh, Blazer Gang, Instagram, official Blazer Gang, Twitter, Blazer underscore gang. Uh, always respond to us. We, we, we do polls throughout the week. We do different questions. We love hearing back from you guys because it just gives us more to talk about. And we are fans ourselves. We are for the fans, by the fans. So we're here for you guys. You guys are here for us. We want to hear from you as much as we can. And you're going to want to be on, uh, on February. I'll tell you why, because not only did we have three great guests today, but the next two weeks, we've got guests coming up as well. Uh, I, won't, I won't drop any names yet, uh, but uh, they're, they're fairly prominent figures. They're guys that you, you've definitely heard of. We've got some good ones. Yeah, just, just so be on the lookout. Keep, keep a lookout for that. And if you're listening to this podcast, you just got the insider information on how to, how to help you or somebody you know become a co-host on the Blazer Gang podcast. 
One last thing, I want to give shout outs to uh, Young Jordan for the uh, intro and outro music. Uh, you, you can find him on Spotify. That's Y-U-N-G Jordan. And uh, also our behind the scenes producers, we've got Derek, Joey, Darren, Brian. Uh, they're always doing the hard work, doing the editing on the weekends, getting this ready to run on Monday and Tuesday. And uh, Henry V Studios for the wonderful, wonderful facility, letting us use the laptops, all that good stuff. And last but not least, Killer Burger for these beautiful pickle bacon burgers. Say that again. <laughs> Peanut butter, pickle bacon burgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. And as always, Rip City on the ass. Rip City on the ass.